Space Voralex, Finding Kimigo. Listen to audio extracts from this exciting companion to 2B Acting Selective Interactive Video Production, now showing on InView. If you enjoy adventures, conspiracy theories, and a gripping story, then this podcast is for you. Updated every two weeks. This extract from the Space Voralex, Finding Kimigo book is a work of fiction, names, characters, places, incidents and dialogues are products of the artist's imagination and should not be considered in any way as facts. Any resemblance to life or people, living or dead, events or theories is entirely coincidental. Visit 2beacting.com for information about the Space Voralex selective interactive video and how to obtain a copy of the book. Extract summary, the main character, Misha, is poised to take a drastic step that will end her life as she knows it. However, before she does, she documents the events that has led to her decision. Her story starts where she is called to the hospital after her girlfriend, Kimigo, unexpectedly falls into a coma. After a day of surreal happenings a stranger, looking identical to her girlfriend, enters her life. Protected by the stranger, Misha and her friend Christina survive dangerous encounters with futuristic devices in human form, and eventually finds Professor Voralex, the one person that may have information to help Kimigo recover. In this podcast, having found the professor, Misha discovers she is part of an unbelievable history where her life and that of her girlfriend, Kimigo, hangs in the balance. Chapter 4, Part 2, The Professor Waking, I'm dripping with sweat. Nightmare is the wrong word to describe the turmoil conjured by the sleep I just had. When the professor insisted on us being fed and rested, before answering any questions, we argued. Finding anything that could help Kimigo recover was the priority. He however was adamant, presenting us with hot food, then a comfy bed, easily swayed the argument. It was too late to do anything anyway with whatever information he would have given, so sleep was welcomed. If I'd known it would be so traumatic we would have talked until morning. Watching in repeated dreams Kimigo scream time after time for me to save her before collapsing, being told by everyone that there is nothing that can be done. Hearing her parents' laughter as I struggle to revive her, holding her limp body, touching her cold skin, unable to wake her up, shaking her. Please Kimigo, wake up. Nightmares. Are you all right? Entering the tiny bed space Christina sits beside me. She is fully dressed in the clothes she came in obviously rejecting the orange jumpsuit they gave us to wear. Not really. You didn't sleep well did you? Nor did I. I kept replaying the shooting. What if Tony hadn't missed? I'd be dead. Don't think of it like that. Who are these people? You're right, it's about time we get some answers. Using the tiny washroom I shower and change out of the provided sleepwear into my own clothes. Leaving the room we follow voices to a canteen. Seeing us, the professor stops his conversation with the stranger. He jumps to his feet to fuss over us. He is full of energy, filling the silent moments with trivia, constantly encouraging us to eat and drink. The hot coffee with a slice of jam toast is all I can manage, despite the array of options which Christina is happily indulging in. So what is this place? There was a big sign. It said, Space Voralex. Ah, you saw that. Believe it or not, this place was going to be an amusement park. Bigger than Disney. It was going to change the world of entertainment. Space Voralex the home of the Cyber Bridge, connecting us to planets across the universe. Cyber Bridge. 
Ignoring my question, Christina interjects with her own. I want to know who wants me dead. We watch the professor's face change. Rather than answering he instructs us to come with him. We obey, taking a walk down a long corridor. At the end we enter a lift. It descends rapidly. Jerking to a halt the doors slide open depositing us in another corridor. It is a stark contrast to the one above. If there was a budget for this building you can see nearly all of the funds were spent here. This is a high-tech complex. The opposite wall to the lift is thick glass, on the other side of the glass a vast brightly lit space. I see around 20 people, dressed in white overalls, working at banks of computers lining the walls on the far side. From the ceiling hang large monitors displaying an array of videos, images, and charts. The place looks like NASA's control center for launching spaceships. The one difference is in the middle of the room, sitting within a glass box, is a cylindrical device with numerous antennas. It's like a metal porcupine. That is the cyber bridge. That device connects us to a place where, they, operate. The people that wants, not you Christina. But Misha dead. This explanation leads to one of the most fantastical story I've ever heard. According to the professor, a little more than 25 years ago the cyber bridge was invented. The first working quantum entanglement communicator. It used a rather primitive artificial intelligence code to decipher received signals from space. Signals from vast distances across the universe could be sent and received. Imagine the excitement when a connection was made with the planet Nova. A planet governed by a powerful AI. That AI rebuilt our primitive AI and within a few years the cyber bridge was being used to do the most remarkable things. Both planets benefited enormously from the information exchange, until the rise of the families. Before AI units started governing Nova, the planet was ruled by five powerful families. They were an opposition party when the cyber bridge connection was first made. Their leader, Victor Barron, who leads the Baron family, was fascinated that the cyber bridge gave Nova access to human intelligence. Our planet did not rely on AI units for problem-solving like Nova. Instead, a shared mind network, like the internet, was used. This network allowed contribution from anyone across the globe to come up with ideas to solve specific problems. Through an alliance of greed, the families formed a partnership with our planet, to use this mind network to remove the need for AI units on Nova. The five families now control Nova. They created the agency, an organization of the richest corporations to govern, and in doing this they changed Nova's society from one, where everyone benefited equally, to one where the richest 10% owns nearly all the wealth. 50% of the population suffer from poverty, ill health, lack of education and poor housing. The others are just able to survive as workers, tricked into supporting the Baron organization through media propaganda and fear. According to him, the they that wants me, and by mistake Christina dead, is this agency, Christina looks puzzled. What did Misha do, for them to want her dead? She is our leader. The stranger looks at me with some reverence when she answered Christina's question. A look I once saw from Kimigo. A look that says I would follow you to the end of the earth and back again. You have our loyalty and respect and will be protected at all cost. Strangely I could feel myself blush as she spoke.
As a student I have never really taken a lead. Some assignments perhaps, where as a team, I would deliver project presentations or lead debates. Nothing grand enough to warrant anyone's loyalty and respect. Thankfully, the professor steps forward, continuing his story. The AI units that ruled Nova not only lost their position of power to the Baron organization but are hunted and when found they are destroyed. To turn the public against AI units they blamed them for the release of what they called the Chrono 33 virus. This lie is used to introduce tighter population restrictions. It also marked the start of what is known as the AI wars. AI units were forced to leave planet Nova as they were unable to fight back. They could not change their core code preventing them from intentionally harming humans. Defending themselves against agency violence was impossible. However, they were fortunate that the inventors of the cyber bridge came to their aid. Acting as leaders the three inventors helped the AI units build a home in space to hide from Nova's hunters. They also developed strategies to rescue humans persecuted by the agency for aiding or supporting AI units. You are one of the three inventors Misha. Interrupting the professor faster than I could, Christina points out the absurdity of the story, reminding him that he said the cyber bridge was invented 25 years ago. I could not be one of the inventors as I'm only 21. It is also impossible that in all these years no one has ever heard of a cyber bridge being invented or any connection made with an alien planet. Why are you telling us this stupid story? And what has any of this to do with Kimigo? Stop this rubbish. I don't care about AI units, Nova, the agency, the Baron organization, none of it. Do you know what's wrong with Kimigo? Can you help her? My outburst is effectively ignored, as the professor chews instead to respond to Christina's observations. First, the cyber bridge was not invented on this planet. It was not Earth. The planet is called Rolone, about eight light years from Nova, within the distance of spaceship travel. Spaceships developed five years after the cyber bridge became active. Second, the 25 years is measured in Nova years. That is about 250 years if measured on this planet. Third, I am here on Earth now because of an experiment to save the AI units. When a body is created there is a moment in its development when life waves can be received. A finite energy source constantly traveling through space. Positive connection with this wave, triggers independent thought. The body is not alive until this happens. When a body dies the life wave is released with new coded thoughts. In this way, life across the universe continues to develop during birth and death cycles. Unbelievably, the Misha he thinks I am, had discovered how to modify the cyber bridge to connect with life waves. On Earth, according to the professor, life waves is what we call a person's soul. The essence that make us individuals. Picked up by the body's receptors, like DNA. The information it decodes is a unique package of essences, containing zero or more than a million lives. Memories are one of these essences which unpacks as the body's brain develops. Over a lifetime, a person may remember all, or nothing from previous lives stored in the life wave. This clever Misha, the professor talks about, not only made the connection to life waves but via the cyber bridge worked out a way to send a person's or an AI unit's essence into a newborn human body, anywhere across the universe using life waves. Here was a chance to save the AI units. 
to make them human. Simulations showed the technology worked. However, the AI units refused to use it until she proved it was impossible for a human to be harmed by the transfer. Even a human that had not yet received life. Misha chose herself to be one of the human test subjects. Long story short, I am this Misha, an alien, that traveled via life wave into this body. My memories are dormant waiting for my brain to develop. For this reason I know nothing about any of this. Still, the surprises in this story continue, on hearing that the two other inventors were, the professor, who smiles as he says his name, as if acknowledging his part in his story. And Dr. Kimigo Frost. Wait, that's not Kimigo. Kimego's surname is Hampton. I think you will find your Kimego's birth name is Sarah Hampton. She chose to call herself Kimigo from the age of five. I'd thought Sarah was her middle name or a nickname, her mother would sometimes call her by that name, much to Kimego's annoyance. Early self-awareness is the result of memory unpacking, programmed by you in the transfer. Frost is her name from marriage which she rarely uses. Everyone calls her Kimigo. I was one clever scientist, my current professors would be proud. Apparently, I wanted awareness of self to be one of the first memories to emerge when the brain reached a particular development stage. This thought triggers a recollection of when I took the name Misha. My father purposely destroyed our official documentation before we arrived at the German border. One of the things he said to pacify us about having to leave our comfortable home in Iran was that we could choose our names. Instinctively I said Misha. This is weird. Are you saying Misha is not your real name? Christina is as amazed as I am that this crazy man's story might actually have merit. So you say Kimigo travelled here, like me, via life waves, through that. Pointing at the cyber bridge it is hard not to laugh at the idea that, if true, I am looking at something that effectively gave life to me. The thing that made me who I am. A machine. Kimigo and I were colleagues in a previous life, and lovers in this one, a failed experiment, brought us together. Has something gone wrong? Is that why she is in a coma? I'm afraid, you're the only one that can answer that. That is the end of the extract for this podcast. In the next podcast, another extract from the Space Vorilex, Finding Kimigo book. The professor continues to lead Misha down a path of no return, leaving her with a difficult life-saving choice. Podcast narrated by AI-generated voices, Ryan and Sonia. Note, the extracts may not accurately reflect the words contained in the published book. For more information, visit 2beacting.com or be part of this exciting adventure by playing the Space Vorilex Selective Interactive video, now showing on 2B Acting's InView channel.